Welcome to the Two Journeys podcast. This is episode 19 in the book of John entitled, Though I was blind, now I see, where we discuss John chapter 9, verses 13 through 41. I'm Wes Treadway, and I'm here with Pastor Andy Davis. Andy, this is an incredible passage, continuing on in the chapter that we began last time we were together. Uh, What are we going to see in these verses today? Well, what we're going to see is the ugliness, the repulsive um, evil of people who will not believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So that's going to be, a, it's a major sub-theme of John's gospel is unbelief, what unbelief looks like. And I think we're meant to be, uh, to have a sense of revulsion here. Uh, here Jesus does one of the greatest miracles of all time. And we're going to talk about that because the man says, you know, never since the history the, the world began has anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. And as I mentioned last time, a doctor friend of mine said, and it's never happened since. Hmm. So this is a, a completely unique miracle. And they're not sure what to do with it. And they don't believe in Jesus. And so it's ugly. It's sad. But then I realized, you know, if it weren't for the grace of God, Wes, you and I would be unbelievers too. We would still be spiritually blind. That's who we would be. We're also going to see encapsulated here uh, a sad, you know, tragedy of scenes that are have been replayed for 2,000 years, which is basically the court trial. Literally, authorities, powerful men, bringing witnesses in front of them to give an account for themselves on pain of torture and death, testifying to what they believe. And again and again, the people of God have had to stand in those, in those tribunals and give an account. And Jesus said in Matthew 10, it will happen. They're going to arrest you. They're going to haul you in front of authorities. They're going to beat you. They're going to imprison you. And they're going to kill you. And so it's a, it's a trail of blood, but it's a glorious story too of the ways that the Holy Spirit came in people and gave them just the right things to say. And we're going to see that here. Um, not so much directly the work of the Holy Spirit, but ultimately by the account we have the Holy Spirit's writing here of, of a beautiful, simple, powerful witness to Jesus. Well, to give us a sense of what we're looking at today, I'm going to go ahead and read chapter 9, verses 13 through 41. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, You put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. 
He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God will listen to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. Andy, we come again to the situation of this man born blind, and now we find him essentially, as you mentioned earlier, on trial regarding his newly restored sight. What seems to be the underlying issue that leads the Pharisees to question the origin and work of Jesus? Well, Jesus consistently did miracles on the Sabbath, and he did this miracle on the Sabbath. And so they are extremely distressed at Jesus. And, you know, in Mark's gospel, for example, he heals a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath, and he asks them before he heals him, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they wouldn't answer him. They wouldn't answer him. Just, I mean, it's an obvious question with an obvious answer. And they wouldn't answer. And Jesus was grieved at their hardness of heart and their stubbornness. We see the same thing here, but they're arranging a theological charge against him. He's a blasphemer. He's a Sabbath breaker. He's evil. But now we've got yet more evidence they have to deal with. Later in, in this gospel, they're going to conspire to kill Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead because they've got to kill this evidence. Now, they are not in any way favorably disposed toward this man born blind who can now see. This is a problem for them because they've already made up their mind. It says it right in the text that if anyone believed or confessed that Jesus was the Christ, he'd be put out of the synagogue. That's a done deal. That ship has sailed. There's nothing more to say. More evidence is that he's done this healing on the Sabbath. Proof positive he's not from God. But they want to try to figure out what to do with this this blind man who's pretty well known and was a beggar and now he's healed. So they got a problem. And so it's very hostile, very negative. They're not celebrating. Isn't it wonderful that now you can see all your life you've been blind. How do you feel? Must be incredible. There's none of that. It's like he's, he's committed a crime. It seems like there's a consistent misunderstanding of sin as well. You know, they, they charge Jesus with being a sinner. Uh, and even uh, thinking about this man's ability to see or not see, they, they still, like the disciples earlier, seem to be linking it to 
this idea of some sin being directly related yeah. uh, to his blindness. He says it. Now they say it directly. You were, you were born utterly sinful or steeped mm. in sin at birth. Well, that's just their theology. It's like they've already known who sinned this man or his parents. They'll, they'll tar anyone with that brush, probably both of them, all of them, all three. Mom sin, dad sin, the baby sin, just nothing but sin. But that's the Pharisees, poisonous. They take one of they take one of the happiest moments there's ever been in redemptive history, and look what they do with it. Yeah. Mm. You mentioned in the last podcast the consistency of this man's testimony, right? That he talks about uh, having mud put on his eyes, washing, and then being able to see. And he does that again here. Why do the Pharisees now send for the man's parents? And how do the parents respond to this questioning? Well, it's amazing. You know, it's just a simple thing. It's like, you want to know how I was healed? Well, put mud in my eyes, I washed, and now I can see. Mud, wash, see. Mud, wash, see. I'll say it a thousand times. You know, it's a waste of time. And, and he's that way. It's like, don't we have a better way to spend the day here? I mean, this is, I think he actually wants to try his new eyes out. You know, it's like, what am I doing here? I mean, this isn't that beautiful a place. I've seen the sun and the sky, the blue sky, the clouds. It's awesome. So, you know, I actually wonder if he even knew what the word cloud meant. I mean, how would you, if you're his parents, teach him what a cloud is? Mm. Up in the sky, wait, wait, what's that sky? It's, oh, never mind. You know, how do you even talk to a man born blind? But, you know, he just goes over the basic facts and they don't believe it. They don't know what to do. It's like something's wrong here. There's, there's something up your sleeve. There's some deception here. There's something off. And we've got to come up, as many unbelievers did a lot in the 20th century with a naturalistic scientific explanation for this. There's no possible miracle here. Other times they come up with spiritualized answers that he drives out demons by the king of demons, Beelzebub. You know, they're doing anything but believe in Jesus. So they, they try to disprove that he was even blind. Clearly he's sighted now. And since this is such an extraordinary thing that's happened, maybe, just maybe, he never really was blind. Let's bring in the parents. So they call in the parents. How do the parents respond to this questioning? And maybe we get some insight as to why at the end of that first section in verse 22, when we learn about the religious leaders of that day and their abuse of their position and their authority, but, but how do the parents respond and, and maybe why? Yeah, there's so much, you know, the, the Bible is so complex and beautiful and integrated. And I think actually John 9 is a very important backdrop to the entire book of Hebrews. The Hebrews are Jewish people who had made a profession of faith that Jesus was the Messiah. But we learned from this chapter that if you do that, you're going to be kicked out of the synagogue. And if you're kicked out of the synagogue in that Jewish culture, you're done financially. You can't sell your, your pottery if you're a potter. You can't sell your grain if you're a farmer. You can't buy or sell at all. You can't buy your, or you can't sell your tables and chairs if you're a carpenter. So, and this is the earliest indication we get that this is the settled decision and it's totally consistent. They hated Jesus and put him to death. They did not want him in their synagogue. And so the parents are already showing that fear. They know some things, but they don't, don't want any part of this. For the Jews had already decided that anyone who confessed that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Now you think about that, it's like on what basis? Jesus has fulfilled prophecies. Paul went from synagogue to synagogue preaching 
the scriptural evidence, the prophecies that Jesus was in fact the Christ. That's what he did in every synagogue. So see the courage of Paul. But here are the parents, they don't want to touch this with a 10-foot pole. They're not ready. They don't, I don't think they really made up their mind about Jesus. So they stick to what they know. Is this your son? Is this one you claim was born blind? We got to talk about that. That's an interesting moment. Mm -hmm. We know he's our son. We know he was born blind. But as to how he sees now, we don't know. All right. We have no opinion. <laughs> We're going to stay out of that. Ask him. He's of age. And they want out. And they say that, John tells us, because they're afraid. They don't want to testify. Yeah. Well, it seems like there's just this dark cloud, like you mentioned, over the whole thing. Yeah. What, what should have been an incredible moment for everybody to celebrate this once blind beggar could now see yeah. and encounter the world in a whole new way. Even his own parents uh, seem to shrink back from really engaging with what's happened here. What a wet blanket. You think about that image of a wet blanket, a thick, heavy wool blanket soaked with water, and there's this fire burning, and it's so bright and crackling and, and warm and all that, and they just dump this wet blanket, and it's out, just sizzling out. But they can't put this fire out. doesn't matter what they do. doesn't matter what Satan does. Jesus is the light of the world, and no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. God the Father lit him up, and he is the light of the world, and, th and there's nothing going to stop him. They can't shut this man up. So the parents are afraid. Um, but, and I think it's, isn't it fascinating, Wes, that they say, is this your son? Is this one you claim was born blind? Hmm. And, and just think of the insinuation there. What, what do you think they're insinuating, Wes? Well, they're essentially insinuating that, well, the parents made it up to begin with. And then also Why? that this man <laughs> for the last number of years has been living as a beggar and we talked few moments ago just about how that wouldn't have been a helpful state, a desirable state for him to live in. So essentially they're, they're charging them with making this all up. Yeah. And for what possible motive? He's, he's barely going to beg at a subsistence level. He, he can't. He, and, and first of all, I don't, I just don't even think you can carry it off. All you have to do is like pull a punch a millimeter from someone's eyeball and they're going to flinch. You just, it can't be done because his eyes are open and they're not seeing. And if you go at it, I mean, you're just gonna have a, a flinch mechanism. I mean, it's just not possible. It's ridiculous. The, the lengths to which they will go to deny the deity of Christ, to deny who he is, et cetera. And, and I, let's, let's realize that the root of it all is their own pride. They are righteous. Jesus says their righteousness is not enough to go to heaven. They are sinners who need to be saved and they cannot accept that message. Their fundamental worldview is that their righteousness is sufficient. God is pleased with their righteousness. So on the basis of that, they're, they're rejecting all these miracles, everything. So, you know, hence that ridiculous encounter or that, that exchange, is this the one you claim was born blind? Parents keep to what they know. Yes, he's our son. Yes, he was born blind. Don't know how he can see. Can we leave? <laughs> so they want out. Wow, wow. And it seems like, the man who will be called back in just a moment, really, it seems like at the parents' urging, they're like, you know, Bring him back talk in. to him, talk yeah. to him. Uh, it seems like there's this increasing boldness, even in his proclamation of what's happened to him, of who Jesus is, perhaps even an unfolding of his own understanding that this is, this is an incredible thing. We'll see that in just a moment when he, he says as much. Um, the religious leaders have finished with the parents. They call the blind man back. They charge Jesus with being a sinner, and the blind man simply returns to this one thing that he knows. How is that instructive for us in our own witness? 
Yeah, it's amazing. They, I mean, the, the parents, you know, go out from the from the tribunal with their tail between their legs. They're out. They could have testified. Uh, they knew what had happened, but they didn't want to say anything. But in comes this man, and and the 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 Pharisees, the the Jewish leaders, say, "Give glory to God." We know this man is a sinner. And what an incredible statement, give glory to God. That's their solemn charge to tell the truth, but it's a beautiful thing to say. It's like, I will, I'll give glory to God. Jesus opened my eyes and I'll say it for all eternity. I once was blind and now I see. That's the glory I'm gonna to give to God. It's not the glory they were hoping for. They wanted the glory of fessing up that he, that they uh, were lying. It's kind of the same thing Joshua said to Achan after he committed his sin outside the walls of Jericho. And uh, so we know this man is a sinner. And this man, it's just so interesting. He's like, yeah, I'm not there yet. I don't know. I don't have anything to say about that topic. I really don't. So whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. So stop right there. He's not a believer in Jesus yet. But by the end of the chapter, he'll be. So we see, we see the progressiveness of conversion. It doesn't happen instantaneously, but it's a work in progress here with this guy. He has no negative thoughts toward Jesus, but he doesn't have sufficient positive thoughts to be saved. He needs to believe that he is the son of God. And if he believes he's the son of God, he's not a sinner. But he's just working it through. You see the, the wheels turning. I'm, I'm working this through. Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. I don't know about that. One thing I do know, though. I was blind, now I can see. That much I know. Yeah, testifying to what he knows, and, and I think, I think for us as well. You know, we talked last time about the importance of consistency and clarity in our message when we're talking about who Jesus is. And again, he he doesn't fully comprehend that yet. It appears here, but he's at least returning to the one thing he knows, and the one thing he knows is that something has changed, and it's not something that he could do for himself leading up to this point. No, that's true, I think it's a good point. As we witness to Christ, we need to stick to what we know. But what we know, and we could be misled a little bit by John 9, what we know is not personal testimony, what Jesus has done in my life, that's part of it. But what we really know is what the scripture says about Jesus, and that's what we're gonna testify to. But, you know, this is, this is the whole thing. Um, fundamentally, this man sticks faithfully to what he has experienced, what he knows. And when he says, look, you know, I don't know whether he's a sinner or not, but I don't think so. <laughs> we'll get there in a minute. And you're gonna push me, I'll, I'll speculate. But I do know that I was blind and now I can see. So we have to have that, that boldness to, to tell the truth as this blind man did. Sure. The Pharisees irrationally keep going over the details of the story again and again. Yeah, they lost their thread. They're just like, I don't know what to do now. Yeah. We know what we want to do. We want to completely discredit Jesus, but we're having a hard time doing that here. So what do we let's go back to the start. Yeah. Go you ahead. almost you almost get that image of that courtroom lawyer in the TV drama that goes back again and again and just makes them facts. tell the story again, seeing if they can poke holes in it, see if they can find any error. We actually have a friend that was uh, with the FBI in Florida and he was involved in white collar crime and investigated white collar crime. And he said the interrogations didn't feel like interrogations. They weren't meant to. You're dealing with, you know, you're dealing with CEOs, with, you know, accountants. You're dealing with in intelligent, educated, trained people, white collar people. And you just go back over it. Tell, tell me again. So that day when you came in, tell me, tell me what you saw, like what, you know, and just tell the story again and again and again and again. And somewhere in there, there's going to be a discrepancy. So maybe they're using that strategy here. All right. So let's go back from the start. How did he open your eyes? Yeah, and I think here it indicates something much deeper. 
much deeper than any white collar crime or anything like that. It seems like there's spiritual blindness on display once again. They're going back over these details of the case. What does this teach us about spiritual blindness? Yeah, there's there's an aggressiveness to us. It's evil. It it's it's um, vicious. And so they become increasingly angry and prideful. It's interesting because he's like, I've already told you and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? It's a little sassy, you know, um, and, and in a way that's it's they deserve it. Mm. But it's like, I, do you want me to say mud wash sea again? I'll say it a hundred times if that's what you need, but there's nothing more to say here. I actually have no more information. All I'm telling you is I can see you and yesterday I wouldn't have been able to see you. I have nothing else to say. So. And Andy, you've had some incredible insight into verse 30, and I think it's helpful for us now as we're, we're at this point. He's basically responding again, telling them, look, this is what happened to me. Um, I, don't, I don't know what you're trying to get at, but this is what has happened to me. And then verse 30, the man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. Could you speak to that verse Absolutely. a little bit? So, so the, the uh, Jewish leaders here are just, they are becoming incensed. They're angry. And they're going back to their square square one, and that's Moses. We know about Moses. We don't know anything about this guy. We don't know where he comes from, et cetera. And the man says, you don't know where he's from? Isn't it obvious? How can it not be obvious to you? And in the Greek, it's, it's really almost, you could almost translate it this way. Now, this is the amazing thing. The real marvel here is you, not me. Because here's the thing. If, if God can say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If God can create the universe by the word of his power, he can make a man born blind able to see. That's not all that astonishing. It is astonishing because it doesn't happen often. But that God could do that after making the cosmos is not amazing. What's amazing is you don't believe in him. So actually, unbelief is staggering and amazing and irrational. There's an essential insanity to sin so that they're willing to go to these lengths to try to deny it. He says, you don't know where he comes from and yet he opened my eyes. Now we know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He listens to godly people who do his will. Since the creation of the world, this has never happened. And as we noted, it's not happened again since and you're not sure where he came from. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. He couldn't do anything. There's no way he could do this by the power of Satan. This is the finger of God, just like the physician or the uh, the sorcerers for Pharaoh said. No, this is the finger of God. Why can't you see it? Hmm. Well, and the Pharisees are incredulous, right? As promised, it leads to exactly what we read earlier would happen to someone who made these kinds of claims says, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. It's arrogance, pride. They can't imagine that he would he would try to teach them the truth, and so they throw him out. And we should not imagine like like it was a bouncer at a bar. I mean, there he's out of the synagogue. He's thrown out of Jewish life. It's quite tragic when you think about it. He's had a hard life. They have zero compassion for him. And just the, the viciousness, the demonic lack of mercy here. But then you see the tenderness of Jesus. He hears that he's been thrown out and he goes and finds him. In the next chapter, we're going right into the Good Shepherd passage. He's going to go find a sheep. And he's going to win this man to saving faith. The man's not there yet, but he is so close. And so 
Jesus seeks him out like the good shepherd and finds him and just takes him in his arms, basically. Mm. Yeah, speak to that, because this is really the last section of yeah. uh, chapter 9, right? Jesus has heard that he's been cast out, and I, lo I love that. In verse 35, it says, having found him. Yeah, he goes and finds him. He says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Son of Man is that title from Daniel uh, chapter 9, or Daniel chapter 7. He says, do you believe in him? He says, I'm ready. Who is he? He recognizes his voice. He's like, I am he, I'm the one. In fact, you are now speaking with him. And he says, Lord, I believe, and he worships him. So he's there, he's converted. And he now believes that Jesus is the son of God, and he's there worshiping. What a sweet moment. And at that point, don't the enemies just shrink into insignificance and nothingness? Mm -hmm. They don't matter, but there they are, they come out. And Jesus says, for judgment I have come into this world that those who see may, those who are blind may be able to see, like this man, and those who see may become blind. Now here is a, a vital statement that we understand that Jesus' physical miracles, which actually did happen in space and time, are also spiritual metaphors. They're pictures of a spiritual healing that we all need. Most of us can see normally but we start spiritually blind and then Jesus saves us by giving us spiritual sight. And so he clearly spiritualizes his physical miracles and we therefore have the permission to do that with all of the miracles. There's a, a feeding that's spiritual, like the feeding of the 5,000, right? There's a, a walking that's spiritual. We walk by faith, not by sight, that kind of thing. So we can, we can do that, it's okay to do that because Jesus does it right here in this passage. Yeah. Well, as we close out chapter 9 and really reflect back on the whole chapter, we've spent the last couple podcasts talking about chapter 9. Any final thoughts and specifically how God was glorified through this man who yeah. was originally born blind and his yeah. testimony and really Jesus' work in his yeah. life? Well, John's gospel, it's, it's light and darkness. This is more darkness. This chapter is about darkness. For judgment I've come into the world and the enemies end up getting the final word in the chapter said, what are we, are we blind? Jesus said, if you actually were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But since you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. So it ends with their guilt remaining. That's the tragedy of darkness. But in the midst of all of this, we have the beauty of light and of a man that now sees the light of Christ. So for you and I, Wes, as believers, for all those that hear us in this podcast that believe in Jesus, just know it's been a supernatural work of sovereign grace to give you the ability to see in Jesus your Savior. And what an encouragement for those of us who are in Christ to rejoice in that one thing that we know, that though we were blind, now we see. Amen. Well, this has been episode 19 in the book of John. Please join us next time for episode 20 entitled, The Good Shepherd, where we'll discuss John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. Thank you for listening to the Two Journeys podcast, and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you for listening to this resource from twojourneys.org. Feel free to use and share this content to spread the knowledge of God and build His kingdom. Only we ask that you do so for non-commercial purposes and in accordance with the copyright policy found at twojourneys.org. Two Journeys exists to help Christians make progress in the two journeys of the Christian life, the internal journey of sanctification and the external journey of gospel advancement. We do this by exporting biblical teaching for the good of Christ's church and for the glory of God.